guys, welcome back to another episode of the Photographer Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Macy, and on this podcast, we explore the mentalities, winning mindsets, and strategies of photographers from the Instagram community. It's tough to focus on technical aspects like Lightroom and Photoshop, so we're really focused on diving into the mindset of creators, and usually what I do on this show is I bring on guests, and we go down a bunch of different rabbit holes and talk about a lot of things that pertain to photography or things that we can relate back to shooting in the field or editing um, in terms of mindset and attitude. But today I'm doing something different. Uh, I've had a lot of requests and I've been thinking that it might be a good time to go solo on an episode, just talk about some of the things that have been on my mind, um, maybe let you know a little bit more about myself for those who are listening who don't know too much about me, um, kind of what motivates me, how I got into photography, the whole shebang. So... I'll start off by letting you guys know how I got into photography. Um, I think it started, my passion for photography started about six years ago when I was in university. Um, summers up north, uh, I had a friend who just had a had a little tiny Rebel, Canon Rebel, and uh, we would spend a lot of time just messing around, seeing what creative things we could come up with. It wasn't anything too serious at the time, it was just sort of a thing to pass the time. And it's just one of those things that fast forward to today has really never left my side. No matter what life has thrown at me, where my path in life has taken me. I am a marketing graduate from Guelph, which I never um, have put to the test in terms of utilizing it in the working field. I went to university to be an audio engineer It wasn't what I wanted to do, but all this time throughout that, photography had always stuck by my side. And things like that tell you something. It tells you that, you know, this is maybe more than just a hobby. It's a passion. And I'm all in about making it my career long term. There's no plan B for me. And that's something that's really motivating, not having a plan B. And I mean, not having a plan B is a terrifying, terrifying idea. And I'm not suggesting that it's something you should do, that you should just go and quit your job tomorrow. Obviously, everybody is different and has financial obligations. If you have kids or mouths to feed, that's a little bit different. But it's definitely something to consider that when you burn the lifeboats, you know, when there's no other options, when it's sink or swim, Man, that's one hell of a motivator, and that's kind of what it is for me. But even going more so into this, and even relating to myself, especially with careers or anything in life, it's okay to change your mind and to change your mind frequently about what you want out of every day, out of every year, out of your entire life. I went to school originally thinking I was going to be a marketing director. It wasn't what I wanted to be. I went to school after that thinking that I was going to be an audio engineer in a recording studio and it wasn't what I wanted to be. And it was only having those experiences that really shined the light on the fact that, hey man, photography has always been by your side. This is something you always have wanted to do in your free time, no matter where in life you are. And that's truly a privilege and a blessing because a lot of people will go their whole lives not knowing what they want to do. And it's said that when people are in their last days of life, that their final regrets are not about things that they did, rarely. 
It's about things they didn't do. And to be honest, that motivates the hell out of me. None of us want to be the person I've just described. So again, if you even have the nerves to consider getting out of your comfort zone and burning the lifeboats and getting rid of plan B, I salute your courage because not everyone is up for that challenge. It's so easy to want to quit early on in any creative endeavor, any endeavor, starting a business, becoming uh, a photographer. It's just in our nature to want what we want right away. And when adversity comes, it's easier just to say, nah, well, it's too hard. I'm just going to go back to what I was doing. And a lot of that comes from comparing where you're at now, especially with social media. I've said this so much on this series, but I feel like I really want to talk about how toxic this is. Comparing where you are at now in your creative stage, whether you've been shooting for two years, whether you've been shooting for two days, comparing yourself to people on the Explore page or photographers you look up to and thinking that you suck and you will never get to that point makes quitting a hundred times easier, a hundred times easier. And the real reality is if you're looking up to something they've done or are doing, there's no supernatural power that they have that allows them to do that and not you. You can do that thing too. If you learn, study, practice, put the time in. And if you don't, well, this isn't something you really want to do clearly. And then you can move on to things that you want to do, or you can be less stressed out about photography and maybe just spend more time enjoying it, going out on a weekend and just shooting at your own whim. You will enjoy the creative process that much more when you stop comparing yourself to Peter McKinnon or whoever the hell you look up to. It's just, you know, something to think about that has really been on my mind lately. And I said this in another interview with um, a guy named Mike Mallow when he had his contrast podcast. Shout out, out, Mike, if you're listening. Um, We talked about how when I was learning photography in the beginning stages, there was no Instagram. There was Facebook was still a new thing. There was no social or digital platform for me to get in my head about my my skill level or my confidence. I was learning behind a camera without judging myself to anybody in the social media realm. And it was so healthy. Everything I took, even though it's pretty terrible now looking back at it, was just like the greatest thing ever to me. And it just helped me blossom into loving the creative process so much and I think that is an advantage but saying this if we can somehow find a way to learn or simulate that experience you will just enjoy the craft so much more and if you are serious about climbing in numbers on social media you know or making it for your full-time gig the process will be much smoother and your mental health will benefit and flourish so much better And another thing, you know, relating to 
back when I was in my beginning stages and thinking that just every photograph I took was the greatest thing ever. I've been preaching this a lot lately, and I we we talked about this a little bit on my on the last episode with Emrys from the UK is about being your own biggest fan or, you know, using your friends and family as a crutch in the beginning stages if you're selling prints or or just like you you have a cheering squad at your disposal, but it always starts with you. If you don't believe in what you're doing, nobody else is going to is going to either. And people can sniff bullshit. People can sniff when you're not confident. And it's not about being arrogant. It's not about being full of yourself. It's about really standing by what you do. Like, this is me. This is who I am. I think I'm pretty good at it. I have a lot to learn. But this is what I'm offering. This is what I'm putting out to the world. And if you enjoy it, great. If you don't, well, that's okay too. And I mean, if photography is something you're really serious about, you say, I'm really, 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 really going to go for it. And I hate to sound redundant, but you need a website. You need a website that companies, brands can all go to that sets you apart from Instagram. You know, your grandma has an Instagram. (laughs) That's her portfolio. Once you set up a website that looks really good, it's like showing up to a job interview in the sharpest looking suit. You mean business, you're there to do a good job, and people instantly take you more seriously. You know, would you buy camera gear from a from a shitty looking website? Would you would you trust buying presets from a page that just looked awful? Your image and your brand, your personal brand is very important, especially if you're trying to monetize in photography, if you're trying to land endorsements, if you're trying to get people to pay you to take pictures of their company or their company's products. You need to display a level of professionalism that goes beyond Instagram. And for me personally, I'm not you know, associated with any of these website hoster, hosting or domain. See, I just, I'm already exposing myself about how much I know from a technological standpoint. But in my experience, because I, I think for the rest of the episode, I'm going to kind of browse through um, common questions that I get in DMs or, or in texts just to kind of answer those since, I, I, you know, I'm sure a lot of people would want to want to be hearing those. But from my experience, people ask me all the time, like, oh, what should I use to do a website? And I'll tell you my story. So I started with Wix and absolutely hated it. Absolutely hated it. If you use Wix and it works for you, great. Did not for me. I outgrew it within a month, two months. It just ran out of capabilities that I wanted it to do. Selling prints was a nightmare. It glitched. It bugged. I hated it. I deleted my account. Moved over to WordPress, which is obviously the holy grail of website design. Anything you can think of as a feature you can do on WordPress. But for me personally, it was just too complicated and I didn't have the time to learn how to make a website. I needed to use that time to build my website. So I jumped through Wix, WordPress, and then I finally found Squarespace, which I have nothing or maybe little bad to say about Squarespace. Their entire platform and e-commerce is amazing. Selling presets, selling prints, organizing my portfolio from a commercial portrait, wildlife, landscape standpoint. Incredible. And the reason I'm preaching Squarespace so much is because it was designed 
by photographers for photographers. If you look at all the templates and layouts, they're designed to be photographer portfolios. So if you are looking to take it up a notch, get serious, build a website, you know, display that level of professionalism, I would highly recommend Squarespace. And and again, I'm not endorsed by them. I'm not being paid to say this. I just genuinely love the platform. And I get asked all the time, how should I make my website? And, you know, that's my answer to it. So Squarespace. Another question that ends up in my DM box or in my comments all the time is, what are you shooting with? What, what, what lens was it taken with? What's your, what's your setup? And, um, kind of a tedious thing to answer and talk about because everyone's always talking about gear, but I mean, it's useful to know if you're trying to learn, uh, from a creator who inspires you, you want to know what, what they're doing so that you can learn it too. Um, I used to ask this question a lot to people in the past before, uh, I stopped asking this question, you know, cause I kind of wanted my own style to immerse on its own. But for those interested, I'm shooting, you know, I've been team cannon since day one, fell in love with the first girl I saw at the dance, that kind of thing. Uh, my very first camera was a T5i Canon, and it had been some places. My, you know, some of my favorite shots ever were taken on that beginner T5i with a kit lens, 18 to 55 millimeter. Um, and it, it act- all my gear actually got robbed from my truck about three years ago, window smashed. I lost a nice Vanguard travel pack, tripod, iPad, telephoto lens, um, portrait nifty 50 1.8 Canon, and my T5i, which was super crippling. I just remember being so pissed off that somebody would do that. Um, but you know, the insurance check came through big time and picked up a Canon 60, which to me is a good middle grade camera. You know, you don't drive the Ferrari the Canon 1D right away. You got to kind of work your way up from the beater um, is my, is my mentality. So picked up a Canon 6D, um, a used Sigma, uh, 24 to 70 millimeter, 2.8, hell of a machine. Instantly fell in love with Sigma again. Love at first, love at first sight again. The second girl at the dance was with Sigma lenses. I actually carried it out of the store wrapped in bubble wrap, like a football linebacker, just so I would not drop it. Um, and then recently I've picked up another Sigma 150 millimeter to 600 millimeter just for wildlife stuff. Cause I've been super inspired by a lot of my good mates who have been shooting, um, wildlife stuff out in the field. It's, it's, it's something that I'm, I'm starting to pursue more and more. And I have a, uh, an F 1.4 50 millimeter prime from Canon, which is an awesome, awesome lens for for portraits and you can get some really gnarly gnarly landscapes at 50 millimeter i'll tell you that Um, it really teaches you when you have a prime lens um, just for those not listening means that it doesn't zoom in or out Um, it teaches you to really move with your feet and to learn composition because you can't zoom now and i can't stress this enough zooming is not the same as moving let me repeat that. Zooming is not the same as moving. So, I mean, when you're working with a prime lens, it's really nice to find different vantage points and it teaches you a lot about composition. So if you're someone who thinks you need to improve on your composition, buy a, you know, buy a 50 mil prime, you'll see your composition game step right up. But uh, that was actually a gift from my girlfriend, Haley, who's obviously in a lot of my photos and who's always, I'm always telling her to go stand over there go do this, go do that. And (laughs) she hasn't, she hasn't left me yet. So I can't be that annoying, 
but uh, it, it brings up another thought that I've had recently uh, for people who are single, who are with somebody, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter um, about how important it is to find someone or be with someone who understands your mind as a creator, because as photographers, videographers, you know, graphic designers, we are very, we're not, not ordinary in any, in any sense. And I don't mean that as superior. I just mean that a creative person's mind is very quirky, very weird. Um, you know, when I have a concept or something like that and I, it just seems downright weird, you know, a good partner or someone, um, will, will just roll with it and understand that you got a process to work through. And I think it's really important that you find somebody who gets that and who understands what you're about and what feeds you and what, what you need to, to thrive as a creative individual. So, I mean, for myself, I'm very grateful that I've had a long-term partner who understands, you know, when I need to take a break or, or when I need to grind it out for 10 hours in front of a computer. It's just very important, especially if you're deciding whether or not you're going to spend a lifetime with this person, um, that they're on board with what you do and, and and your ways. I mean, especially as a as a nature photographer, a landscape photographer, somebody who loves to travel. You know, you got to find that compatibility with somebody who's who's down with that. Or, I mean, if you're an urban photographer, finding someone who's down with just ripping through the city for for an afternoon. Or, for me, I just think that's so important and will be crucial to your your long term success if you have a partner in crime and you, and you have somebody you can depend on to pick you up on a sour day or or maybe even take you down a peg or two when you're riding a little too high. I mean, we all deserve to be with somebody who who gets that, who who understands that even though they may not understand what you're thinking, they understand that it's important to you and that in itself is is important. And so before I turn into Dr. Phil, I'm going to have to <laughs> redirect myself and segue into more of some of the notes I've written about, questions I frequently get asked. And one of them is actually how... Uh, I land or get hooked up with some of the, the brands and companies that I've, I've done work for. And there's no real secret to it. But first and foremost, you need to tag companies in everything you post in story. Everything. Because even if nothing arises from it and it's just like a short little DM conversation, like whatever, you've opened the door. They're familiar with you. So that's step one. A lot of times I'll just straight up ask a company like, hey, uh, and usually it's a company that I, you know, would fit my vibe as a photographer, or I, I've been using their products or services, and I'm just like, hey, um, I give them my experience, and just I, I shout out a proposal. Um, how about you send over uh, this product, that product, and that product, and I'll exchange it for for ten to twelve photos, and you know, great. Maybe that leads to. Um, the next time you do a shoot for them, it, it's it's paid. And you know, that formula has worked out miraculously for me a bunch of times. Just a straight up photo exchange for product. And then the second time around, you know, they're willing to offer you money this time. And you can get hooked up with a lot of really cool, uh, a lot of really cool brands and companies just by using the DM box correctly and by um, you know, tagging and stuff like that. And, and a good email is it, it never hurts. Um 
And again, it, it goes back to how important it can be to redirect somebody to your website because as soon as you shoot a brand or a company and you're able to put that portfolio on your website, when the next company goes to visit your page and sees you know, your, your work history with previous said companies, it becomes easier to land that brand. And then the next one's even easier because you start to snowball credibility and credibility is just earned through you know, countless hours of networking, reaching out, shooting your shot, but all that needs to be centralized on a website. And, and I mean, another awesome thing you can do, especially when you're working with brands, because I know that Instagram recently, just the algorithm is complete whack. It changes every day. It's just this monster you have to battle, especially to grow because Instagram's incentive is to get you to pay for ads so that you can grow uh, your online presence. But I mean, if you can get hooked up with brands and get them to send you products, you can grow your Instagram following just by doing giveaways. Like I'm going to be rolling out a giveaway with a company called Alto Collective who makes custom phone cases here in Canada. They've sent me two extra ones. You know, what a great way to grow a following. Uh, I'll post a picture in the near future with the, with the cases announcing the contest saying, hey, giving away these, follow me, follow Alto, tag some friends in the comments. You know, if I get a thousand, a thousand followers out of that, you know, I didn't pay squat for that. So brands are, are, are a great way to grow your audience. And I mean, if you're a small account, go after small companies, go local. You know, if you're, if you're dealing with 250,000 followers, you can go after Sony's and give away, you know, a seven threes. But I mean, if you're a, a tiny account to start and there's nothing wrong with that, if you're like maybe around 200, 500, reach out to a local, local startup or, or, or somebody, you know, who makes, I don't know, custom wallets and just, just run a giveaway grow, reach out to brands, especially for giveaways that are proportional to the size of your account and you'll have great success. And the next time you can even bump that even higher, even higher, even higher. But brands are definitely, definitely an awesome and creative way to grow your following. So why not? Another question I've been getting asked a lot, um, or just kind of pops up in conversation is, is really what gets Seth, what gets you motivated what gets you um, excited to grind it out to 2 a.m.? Um, you know, what, what's, making, what's making you tick? And, and for me, it changes on a day-to-day basis. And, but there's usually two or three main concepts that really get a fire going underneath me. One is super existential, and, I, you know, we won't even dive into that. But just the premise and the idea that you're you're going to be dead someday you're not going to be here is motivation enough if if you know if this is your one life and and you know it go, and it goes quickly why not do the best you can and have the most fun and and try your best to do the things you want to do and and achieve the goals you want to achieve so just straight up the, the idea that you're going to be no longer here is is motivation enough to you know to add to that website to go out and shoot to really pursue some of your goals. Um, I would say another great motivator is, uh, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's a little bit of fear, but the idea of consequence, um, if I don't do this, this is what's going to happen. If I don't improve my website, I'm not going to land more clients. 
if I don't land more clients, you know, I'm not going to make as much money. If I don't make as much money, I can't travel to the places I want to travel and take pictures. Kind of working backwards like that. Or if I don't post on Instagram frequently, what what are the consequences of me not posting as much on Instagram as I know I should be? Well, working backwards, I'll grow less. People will know less about me and what I'm doing. It'll lead to less exposure, less opportunity, and it'll take me longer to succeed in photography if that's what I want to do. So that's an, another hell of a motivator is just inevitable consequences from failure to to act on on tasks or to to really aggressively pursue goals. If you work backwards and think about what's going to happen if you don't do those things, you know, you, you get moving pretty quickly. And I find the last motivator for me to go out shooting, to make sure I'm posting frequently, uh, is just it, it's self-competition, the idea of wanting to be better. I find asking my, I find that I'm asking myself every single day, how can I make this better? You know, how can I make my grid on Instagram better? How can I make my website homepage better? How can I improve my initial pitch to brands? Well, this worked last time. These companies all reply when I said this thing. These companies didn't reply when I said this thing. Maybe we'll try this this time. If you are constantly asking yourself, even outside of photography, just in every single every single day living, how can I do what I what I'm doing better? You know, how can I get to work faster? Is there a better route? Um how how can I communicate with my partner better? Uh, what what can I do to get that promotion at work? How can I you know, how can I maybe live a little bit more economically so that I can go do more fun things? I, it, it, maybe it's not. This isn't even motivational in the sense. This is just striving for a constant improvement. If you're not trying to be a better version of yesterday's self, what are you doing? Like what what's the point? And I mean, it's fun. Like it, it's addicting. You turn it into a game. The other day, I, I got my first wild red fox, and uh, with my new lens, and it, it was a lot of work. It was an early, early wake up. It was talking a lot with the person who had had scouted them out for me, who knew they were there. Um, where do I set up? And and when I clicked that shutter and got the picture of of, of this beautiful red fox kit, it was the greatest feeling ever. And, you know, in that moment, you feel like a better version of yesterday's self and you walk around with a newfound confidence and, you know, what's next? What's next? I'm hungry for the next thing. It's a quick celebration and you're just ready to tackle the next thing. And that's so fun. And I think it's that that's really enjoying the process of photography and enjoying the process of life. You hear so many times people saying you need to enjoy the journey, not just focus so much on where you're trying to go trying to find the small wins in in just everyday life and the things that you're doing is enjoying the process. If you're not enjoying the process of photography, you're doing it wrong. Like you should be solely doing photography at the core. I know we've talked a lot about, you know, how to make money here doing this, how to stay motivated, but really at the core, photography is an art form and if you don't appreciate the art or you're not in it for the right reasons, you're not doing it solely because you love it. If you're just doing it to be popular on the gram, if you're just, I don't know, doing it to impress your friends and family, 
you're doing it so wrong. And I think you should really take a step back and think about why you're doing the things you do. If you really, if you really break it down, and I remember listening to this on another podcast, somebody presented the idea about questioning why you're doing something to literally everything you do. If you stop and think about why am I doing this, it's kind of freaky. Like why, why did I turn left instead of turning right when I went to go walk the dog? Or why did I decide to eat spaghetti for dinner? If you just really ask why about everything, you'll start to see internally, you know, what motivates you and where your thinking goes to. And, and I mean, I invite you to try and just, and just see what comes of it. Um, probably our last little talk before we wrap up here. I didn't want this to be too long of an episode today. Just like a little quick, uh, 30 minute episode before you head into your weekend. Um, but this one ends up in my inbox a lot and it's, how do I sell my prints? How do I price them? How do I do it? And there's no real simple answer to this. Um, so rather than run through all the things you could do, I'm just going to kind of run you through what I do. No secrets, just, excuse me, let you know, you know, my setup. So step one again is obviously have a website where you can list your prints and have a store, which I do have a nice e-commerce setup on Squarespace. It's been working for me. Um, so yeah, and, and don't, don't list all your prints. Um, it's like going to a restaurant and, you know, having a menu that's way too long. It's impossible to pick stuff. It's cluttered. <clears throat> put your your favorites, you, you know, some of your most popular work, even if you don't like it, uh, too bad. That's that's what's that's what's popular and that's what's going to sell. So sometimes you got to suck it up a bit. But uh, I'll list, so once I've decided on my prints, I'll list them, I'll list my sizing, and I'll list my available medium options. So I do fine art paper for my limited edition prints, and I'll do canvas. So my limited edition prints I found... Go find yourself a real good local print shop that does good work. Have some test shots done. They should do them for you for for a small fee. Some might even do it for free just so you can see what it looks like. A lot of people like to do screen calibrating and all that stuff. I was just having this conversation with a with a buddy Matt the other day, and you know I'm not really about that. I um, you know I I've I've learned what I need to edit in Photoshop. The minor tweaks before it goes to print, just uh, through trial and error. <clears throat> so I, f- I found myself a good print shop and then they do good work. I'll physically go down there with my files or I'll email them when somebody places an order on my site and uh, I'll then either deliver them if they're, if they're close or I'll ship them in uh, circular tubes that you can just get from Uline or, or I'm sure you can buy them on Amazon. And uh, all my fine art prints are, are limited edition. So there's only so many of them in circulation and they're quite expensive, which pricing strategy is a very, it's, it's a very weird, wacky thing, especially with art. Um, if you price your prints at, you know, $20 for a 16 by 24, I'm sorry, but that tells everybody that you don't think your photos are very good. If you price them at 10,000 and you don't have any, you know, credibility or any accolades, you know, no one's going to buy them. Um, so it's picking a price that says, hey, these are really good and they, they may be worth a lot someday, um, but also not scaring people away. So 
yeah, I won't go through all my prices on my on this, but you can check them out on my website if you're really interested, sethmacyphotography.com. But my strategy is so when the limited edition prints are too expensive for somebody, they have the option of the cheaper canvas, which um, is much more affordable. And some people actually prefer it, so it works out. So I don't lose, typically won't lose somebody in my store where they see something is too expensive because then they can just go get the other option, which is canvas and which is really nice, which drop ships right to their house. So I never even touch it. Um, just put a little electronic signature on the bottom of the file. So it acts as a signature and you know, off they go to their, to their final home. Um, the one thing I'll do too, just to add that we've talked a lot about, you know, image and being professional, what I'll send with my, limited edition fine art prints is I'll send letters of authenticity, which are, you know, on nice card stock, um, which will tell the buyer what number it is out of, let's say 20, it'll be three of 20, the title of the artwork, the size, the medium it's on. And I'll ship that with the print. Just, it gives it that, um, exquisite feel, that elegant feel. And, just so much more professional. It's There's a lot of small details just in everything you can do, prints, how you send a message, and it's doing a lot of the small things right that you know pay dividends and which will set you apart from the crowd, especially in photography and especially in selling your photography. And I mean, if anybody has any more you know questions they'd like answered in depth about this, please DM me on Instagram, email me, I'd be, you know, even happy to have a quick phone call with you just to let you, uh, let you know what I've done and what's worked for me. You know, I'm by no means a master of print selling, but, um, in the short time that I have been selling them, it's, it's worked at, you know, this strategy's worked marvelous for me and, you know, I'm, I'm willing to, to share up my, um, experience with, with other people because giving back to community is what that's, what it's all about. That's what this podcast has been about. Um, you know, Instagram is such a community where it's constant self-promotion. And I mean, that's the entire premise of the platform. There's a motive for every photo that everybody posts, whether it's, you know, somebody posting a photo of their night out at a bar. It's, you know, their intent is telling everybody, hey, I had a fun time last night. If uh, people are posting, you know, a banger of a photo, it's, hey, I'm a really great photographer. But you know, with constant, with a social media app that's constantly all about self-promotion, it's nice to find a way to try and give back to such a nice and heart, you know, heartfelt community about your experiences that are relatable and what you've learned so that it can help fast track other people. Um, you know, and to me, that brings me a lot of a lot of joy and a lot of good feeling. And I hope that's what this podcast has been doing. I've been getting lots of messages, kind messages from you guys who have been, who have been listening from, you know, either the first episode onwards, or maybe this is your first episode. Just, I want to thank you guys so much for, for tuning in. It means a lot. And, uh, we just hit 500 downloads, which is really cool. We're going to skyrocket 2000. Next is 5,000. Next is 10,000. Just that goal setting uh, mentality. So, uh, thanks for listening to me ramble, and on my first solo episode, it's been a lot of fun. And next week, I have one hell of a guest. It's going to be Dave Sanford, who's my first Canadian guest. So I can bro out with a fellow Canadian. It's going to be awesome. 
Uh, he's shot, I think, oh man, he shot two Winter Olympics. He shot a Super Bowl, uh, 20 NHL Stanley Cup championships. He has photographed great whites in Southern Australia. Um, he gets in the wavy waters of Lake Erie in November and he takes photos of like giant waves that he calls liquid mountains. Um, definitely a super, super cool guest that I'm excited to have, Dave Sanford. If you want to check him out before next week's episode, it's at Dave, D-A-V-E. S-A-N-D-F-O-R-D Dave Sanford or you can just go to my following you'll find him um, honestly probably the the biggest guest I've had on the show yet um, probably with the most years of experience shooting so if you want to learn a lot make sure you, you tune into next week's podcast but uh, until then let's go get shooting, go get editing and stay focused, see you next time <laughs>